good, super friends. It's your deal, Pepe, representing the West Side, Sundan Park, 575. Here to tell you about our Patreon. Let's go, cruising down the I-10, podcast be bumping, TAC on the mic, the homeboys be nothing, knowledge bombs be dropping like with Stephen Hawking, and the laughs keep coming like with Jimmy Fallon, but you wanna be a homie, VIP, MVP, take the first toke, but it's only $2 so you don't choke, episodes be at free, a week early, gluten free, and of course, no MSGs, hook you up each show with the weekly shout out, send you stickers to Flex in the Walmart checkout. Patreon.com slash technically a conversation Cheaper than cigarettes at the gasoline station Patreon.com slash technically a conversation Link in the show notes Thank you for your donation In 1972, a family and a sea hitchhiker were stranded at sea when a whale attacked the boat and cracked it in half leaving them stranded to fend for themselves They caught sea turtles and sharks to survive Listen to how this family survived 38 days Next on Technically a Conversation. Greetings, super friends. Welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we'd like to share an interesting topic or story with each other, which we've recently learned and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your host today, Isela. Joining me as always is Jose. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Not bad, despite this crazy wind. I hate wind. The wind is awful, but the fucking cold is what's driving me crazy. Really? I, I love the cold. I'm for it. I'm wearing hoodies. You're wearing a hoodie. I could live in a hoodie. Like, this is great. I love beanies, scarves, bring it. But I don't like the wind. Ugh, get out of here, wind. Yeah, and we'll probably hear the wind make a couple of cameos on your end. (laughs) (laughs) Don't jinx it. I don't know. I tried to fix it. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I live in an old home. (laughs) We'll see if we get any uh, solar panel salesmen also to come by. (laughs) (laughs) That was very funny, dude. Seriously. You called it. I was so interested when you said, oh, I put it in. I'm like, oh, I got to tune in to this one. (laughs) So funny. So question for you. Have you ever been stranded before? Um, Not really bad because it it was within the city. Like I wasn't stranded like in the middle of the Sahara Desert or something like that. (laughs) Right, right. So it was within this city or, or over there in Sunland? No, it was within El Paso. I used to have an old... Ford pickup truck. And the adage is true, fixed or repaired daily, because at least once a month, it would leave me stranded on the freeway. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's (laughs) awful. Sorry to hear that. (laughs) As I laugh. (laughs) Yeah. I have been lost. An old friend of mine, Yvette, she and I, many, many years ago, before I had kids, uh, kids, before I had my child, we had gone on a (laughs) girl's trip to Phoenix. We went to see this really awesome group called the Buena Vista Social Club. And we had drinks. Um, you know, do I have to say anything after that? <laughs> <laughs> so we were staying at a hotel. This is before my sister lived there, obviously. And we somehow wound up in this like industrial area. Oh, my God. We were so lost. This is obviously like pre-Google. You know, we were using MapQuest to get us there. 
it was nuts. But I remember we finally navigated back, I think, through like moon and planetary alignment <laughs> back to the hotel. But yeah, it was bad. You were using the North Star to guide you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. We'd lick our fingers, see where the wind was coming. <laughs> Just kidding. Like we're sailing. And shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely had a lot of those situations. Because as you know, I don't know if our listeners know, but I have no sense of direction. So uh, without GPS, I'm useless. I know that you, you'll you navigate, you'll use GPS even to go to like restaurants. Well, I do that also just in case there's some type of um, like an accident. And that way I know like where to detour or if there's any cops, like sometimes Google Maps will tell you if there's a speed trap. So um, I do like to use it anywhere that I go, even if it's some place that I'm familiar. But if I'm somewhere that I've never been before, one shining example <laughs> is when I went to Denver. We actually ended up going an hour and a half in the wrong direction. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time to not notice. And we had an almanac too. So, or whatever those things are called, those folding maps. Yeah. It was an almanac. I think it's just a map. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever they're called. Oh my gosh. We still went an hour and a half in the wrong direction. Wow. Was your <laughs> was your passenger like a three hour tour? What the hell? <laughs> well, he was actually supposed to be the um the navigator or whatever, the the person that he was like he was my Google Maps. <laughs> they were the co pilot. The turn left at the light or whatever. <laughs> but um yeah, and it was funny because um it, it was also pre GPS and Google Maps and all that. So I remember he printed out all the directions for like everywhere that we were planning on visiting and he actually laminated them like so that, that way oh my goodness he went all out <laughs> he did he was like so that way like you know we don't risk spilling anything on them or stepping on the directions or whatever, which was really smart yeah but yeah we still ended up getting lost <laughs> apparently both oh of God. us have no sense of direction wow you got to get at least one person there to <laughs> you know to like guide you guys. I remember uh, another funny story. I was going to summer school at Burgess and um, the girl that I was seeing at the time, we were like, oh, let's go to the mall and hang out. It's like, all right. So you both just started heading into the, you know, towards the direction of Sila Vista. Like Sila Vista is maybe like a mile away from Burgess. Yeah. And, um, you know, we we're walking and she's like, well, I'm so glad that I came with you because I would have gotten lost. I would have no idea how to get to the mall. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because I'm following you. <laughs> I have no idea how the hell to get how to get to the mall. But oh, somehow we ended up making it and making it back. So that's funny. Yeah, that hopefully should be normal. The crazy thing is, I think I have good cardinal directions. Like, oh, this is like south. This is north. You know, like those types of things. But then once you put me in another city that doesn't have mountains in the middle of the city, I'm like, where? What? Where's west? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I lose it. I don't know. Yeah. My uncle would tease me. He'd be like, what if you're in the middle of the desert or something? Like, how are you going to, because he would tell me, well, yeah, like the sun rises on the West or whatever and sets on the East or vice versa. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm ever going to remember that. He's like, well, what if you're in the middle of the desert and like, what would you do? I said, well, I would just use Google maps. He's like, what if you don't have any data or whatever? I said, well, first of all, if I'm in the middle of the desert without Google Maps or anything, I have bigger problems. Right. But if uh, I find myself in that situation, I would just lay down and allow myself to be eaten by saber-toothed tigers or something. 
Okay. So somehow this hypothetical situation, we traveled back in time. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Well, the reason why I was asking is because today we're going through a wild survivor story of a whole family at sea and they were stranded. Get this. 38 days in the Pacific Ocean. Damn. Dude, that's over a month. That's crazy. (laughs) So grab your life vest and your SPF 1000 if they make it (laughs) for this one. (laughs) Because this is our Stranded at Sea episode. I feel like I should be playing like some merry time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Has to be something about sea. So let's get into it like the most uncomfortable Snuggie ever. So this is brought to you uh, by the letter C. I'm just kidding. No, Um, it's brought to you by this interview that I saw on Douglas Robertson. He is the one who was uh, being interviewed. He's the survivor. He also has a book he wrote about his his awful but kind of cool experience. You'll you'll see what I mean. Link is in the show notes as always. Show notes. (laughs) He was doing jazz hands at the same time. (laughs) Just kidding. No, he wasn't. So let's start with the upside, right? Because let's be real. Being stranded at sea is a bummer of a situation, right? <laughs> at least you don't have to go to work. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> upsides then. Yeah. <laughs> the upside is Douglas had this experience with his whole family. And and that's about it for upsides. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's just a singular upside. No, I'm kidding. At least he also lived to retell the trauma. I mean, the tale. <laughs> he got to show off in front of his children, fishing and whatever you do in the middle of the boat for 38 days. Well, Douglas Robertson, you'll find out he's actually, when this took place, he is the son and his parents decided to do this. So he was one of the sons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Small background as to why the family even decided to sail and get stranded. Well, nobody decides to get stranded, right? (laughs) (laughs) Some man had just made headlines for sailing around the world, which is quite the flex, don't get me wrong. One of Douglas's younger brothers said something to the effect of, well, if they can do it, why can't we? (laughs) Those are like famous last words, right? (laughs) I thought you were going to say, it was supposed to be a three-hour tour, a (laughs) three-hour tour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we'll put in that song in here. (laughs) And Douglas's parents, they were farmers, but they weren't great at it. So they sold the farm and bought a yacht and they said, yeah, we should be able to do it too. Like it was just basically as simple as that. (laughs) And they decided to take this journey, try to sail around the world, the whole family. It wasn't exactly the most random shot in the dark because his dad, Douglas's dad, was a former sea captain. In fact, his parents met sailing. So they both had some experience. So who all went on this sailing around the world challenge? The rest of the family consisted of his sister, Anne. She was 18 years old at the time. His younger brothers, there were twins, nine years old. (sighs) For something that requires so much skill, you would think that there'd be a lot of prep work, a lot of training involved, right? Douglas said his sea training was this. His dad said, see this line on the compass? Keep that line by this number. And that was it. End of training. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think his dad really set them up for success. They set off to see January 27th, 1971 from Almuth in Cornwall. And this is in the UK. 
I'm not a geography bee, so I had to look it up. So it allowed me to guide you in this mental picture. Imagine like the southernmost tip of the island where England is. So England's further down south. And it was the furthest south and western point. So if you make like an L with your right hand, like a backwards L, it's going to be the bottom of the L on your thumb. Oh, Cornwell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) So they set off early January, January 27th, and it was rough. It was really rough. Rough seas. Everyone was seasick. And throw on top of it, no one was getting along. The family was all bickering. No one's working together as a family unit, you know. So as soon as they get to the first port, Douglas's mom, Linda, asks, you know, her husband, the dad, she says, hey, can we send some flares up to be rescued? (laughs) And (laughs) exactly. (laughs) It must have only been days into it. Like homegirl was like, (laughs) sail around the world. Yes. Just kidding. I mean, let me just (laughs) sail from the UK all the way to Europe. (laughs) And I imagine she also quickly filed for divorce while they were in that first port. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would imagine so, yeah. She's like, this guy doesn't even listen to me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so they did make it to Europe. They made it to the Bay of Biscay. Oh, actually, first, let me tell you what he said, because she asked him, right? Hey, can we get rescued? And you know what he responded back? You've already been rescued, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, don't be silly, Linda. Only a fool would be out in weather like this. Uh, exactly what are they doing right but like i said they did make it to the bay of biscay and that's in the western part of france and then once they got to portugal lisbon that was you know even better the weather was better um you know of course it only made sense that their attitude also improved just everything was better birds were chirping you know siblings were getting along (laughs) so it sounded like they had kind of gotten into their groove Because the family didn't have loads of disposable, you know, income or money or whatever, they would stop at these cities for a few weeks at a time, and then they would work, get some money, get their supplies, and then go on to the next place. They crossed the Atlantic in 33 days. They saw a fisherman that was adrift, and they rescued him, and they towed him into Nassau in the Bahamas, which is really crazy because they had a sailing yacht. Those don't have engines. So this really does speak to how truly kind and ballsy his dad was, Douglas's dad was. So it was a sailing yacht? Yeah, it's a sailing yacht. And they used that to rescue that guy. Isn't that nuts? Yes. Yeah, that is very crazy. (laughs) Yes, yeah. But that's really nice, you know what I mean? So you can tell like, okay, the dad might not have been the smartest guy, but he was at least really kind. (laughs) (laughs) So the uh, the fisherman, he had a son, his name was Jeff, who coincidentally was only a few years older than Douglas's sister, Anne. Uh, these two mm-hmm. got along great, like gangbusters, as they say. <laughs> but the son, Jeff, was engaged to a Revlon heiress. Jeff quickly fell in love with Anne and threw his engagement overboard, pun intended. <laughs> she stayed behind in the Bahamas. From the interview I watched, Douglas said Jeff was like a hot young man and he came from a wealthy family. So he was really happy for his sister. Also, I don't know if I can really say like she stayed behind. Like Bahamas is pretty much as close to heaven on earth as you can get. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're already in paradise. So why go anywhere else? 
Right, right. So let's let's quickly check in with you. If you were the dad, how would you feel about your daughter? Just kind of, no, I'm going to stay here with this man that she essentially just met. <laughs> how old did you say the daughter was? 18. No, she's an adult. She is. I wouldn't be thrilled about it. But I mean, yeah, she technically is an adult, so she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. I think I would be a little concerned too. But yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, they didn't have cell phones back then, but I'd be like, oh my God. You better write to me at every chance. <laughs> you know? Yeah, send a message in the bottle and hope that I get it. <laughs> yeah. Send me a message in a bottle every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, maybe if she was in her 20s, I would feel better about it. But I feel like 18, even though she is technically an adult, I feel like most kids at that age, they still think like children. So Agreed. Yeah, I think that at the very beginning of any relationship. Of course, it's great. You know how many times I would have gotten married if that was like, <laughs> that was the, like, I'm basing it off the first three weeks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so since Annie stayed behind, this left five to set sail to America. They got to Miami in 1972. They stayed for six months. There was a ton of work there. At the time, there were no skyscrapers, which made me feel like I had aphantasia because I couldn't even picture what that would look like. <laughs> Check out that interesting episode, by the way, guys, <laughs> if you want to learn more about aphantasia. There was no Ron DeSantis, which is even better. Oh, for sure. Can you imagine that already <laughs> upgrade by a thousandfold? <laughs> Douglas said that they loved America, adding the family felt like they could stay and live there forever. They cruised and they loved every moment uh, to the Galapagos Island. There was an extra passenger that they picked up along the way. His name was Robin Williams. Not like, you know, the person who, not the comedian. <laughs> Coincidentally, he was Popeye. Robin Williams as Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this Robin Williams at the time, he was 23 years old. He was also British and he was a boat hitchhiker, which I did not know was a thing, but that's really, a, I know you think it's, <laughs> it's really a thing. All right. So all has been going swell and dandy. Let's talk about what we all want to really know. How they had sex. The day it went wrong. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they had sex, right? <laughs> oh, they had sex on a sailboat with all their kids on board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so 17 months after the family set sail, like as I was mentioning, they were headed towards the Galapagos Island when a large, I don't know how else to say it, but this is how he says it in the interview, a large horny whale rolled <laughs> over <laughs> and he rubbed its belly on the big boat. And Douglas said that the whale must have tried to like make love to the boat is what he said, right? This is where we want to cue the Barry White music. You know I need it, girl, and I know you need it, too. <laughs> anyway, a week after that whale molestation, or whatever you want to call it, they did make it to the Galapagos Island, and they needed to take extra drinking water because they knew they were going to be at sea for about 45 days. Robin still tagged along, and two days into it, Douglas's brother, Sandy, was at the wheel, and it was now Douglas's turn to take, you know, the helm at 10 p.m. June 15th, around 10 p.m., they saw something black sticking up, turned out to be the fin of a killer whale. Then three bangs were heard, and it was the crack of the boat. And the boat jolted from underneath their feet. No one knew what happened. Douglas looked downstairs to look at his dad. 
And his dad had water up to his ankles. And he asked his dad, what are you doing? And he looked back up. And then uh, his dad was like, we need to abandon ship. And when he looked back down, I mean, in the matter of like one sentence, he looked back down and the water was now up to his knees. So that means, yeah, the water must have been coming in super fast. The dad demanded abandon ship, get the life raft launched, get it over the side. And that last part was when Douglas said he realized shit got real. Thankfully, the life raft started to inflate. Everything was working properly, but they still were in the boat, which was sinking. Robin, who was not a sailor, stepped on the edge, causing the water to start getting into the dinghy. But thankfully, it was tied to the other boat. So there's a dinghy that they pull and then there's a life raft that inflate. So thankfully, they had both, which was just kind of like by chance. They were kind of lucky to have these two and you'll see why. The mom suggested when they kind of made it out of the clear, let's say the Lord's Prayer. And the dad said, I don't believe in God. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of crazy for him to say that. Like, not that it's like a great start that you're already arguing and you were just saved, right? Anyway, but the whales left. The ship was also gone. He said the ship went under in in like less than two minutes. Wow. It's nuts. The twins did ask if they were going to die. His dad knew that there was food for about 10 days and they did have another sale. They had his mom's uh, sewing basket, which had like strings and scissors and little trinkets that were actually really critical to castaways. On the first day of being stranded, they agreed they would not eat each other because uh, it was like a thing. I know it's called the custom of the sea. I didn't know that. And that's where like the whole like drawing straws, the short end of like the short straw, that was like a thing back then. But Robin was really worried that he's not part of the family, that he's going to be the first one to be eaten. So they promised him, we're not going to eat you. You're part of the family. So I thought that was really nice. And like, <laughs> what a crazy conversation that they had to have, right? Probably not the first thing that I would have thought. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I can see why. And especially, I think back in those days, that was probably more common. Yeah, it definitely was more common, is what he was saying. I, I don't know anything about sailing. So I didn't even know that that was like a real common thing back then. Anyway. So Douglas kept focusing on the rainwater to keep everyone alive. Of course, you die in a much shorter time without water than without food. They tried to fish. They even saw some birds swooping down and trying to catch those flying fish that would come out of the ocean. And he said that he felt like he was being mocked because they were doing it so easily and they were like failing all the time, you know. (laughs) But coincidentally, uh, some fish actually, when they would jump to escape their predators in the sea, they would actually make it into the boat. So they were able to eat some fish that were kind of just naturally caught, I guess. <laughs> um, but they kind of tore into them, you know, with their hands very a la Edward Scissorhands. Because, of course, there wasn't really forks or anything like that. Oh, and they couldn't cook it either, huh? No, they didn't. Yeah. It's crazy. I was going to say, imagine how good it is, fish before all the microplastics. But, yeah, it probably didn't taste that great raw. I bet you're starving so much that anything tastes good. I don't know. That's my guess. Maybe. And I guess people eat raw fish, so like in in sushi and stuff. So it's not that weird, but I don't know. I don't think I've ever eaten raw fish, so it would probably weird me out. Especially if I don't even know what I'm catching, but I'm just like, all right, I hope it's not 
like a sea urchin or something that's going to kill me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hopefully this fish doesn't give me polio or something from eating it. <laughs> I survived, but now I have polio. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so here's a good time to cut the commercial. And when we return, we will get into how Douglas caught a sea turtle. <laughs> Hi, this is Dakota, host of ContraZoom Pod, where we go back and forth about film. I am obsessed with movies. I could talk about them all day. And if you're like me, then you'll love my podcast. Every week we take a new topic, whether it's ranking a director's filmography, covering major film festivals, or getting way into Oscar season. While every week is different, we do have some recurring topics, like our Make Remake series looking at an original film and its remake, or our very popular A History Of program, taking an in-depth look, looking at some of the biggest companies involved in film, including Criterion, A24, and Neon. It isn't all super serious topics, though, as we always need to play catch-up with all the hottest Marvel Cinematic Universe news and general pop culture goings-on. There's something for every kind of movie lover, whether you want reviews, interviews, or in-depth conversations. ContraZoom Pod is found on all podcatcher apps, and visit ContraZoomPod.com for even more information. If you like all things spooky, then check out A Spooky Tales, hosted by us, Christina, and MJ, where we talk about all things spooky, paranormal stories, haunted places, myths, and legends. Listen to guests tell us their scary stories. And I hear them call me by by my name. So I run into the kitchen to check, and there's nobody there. And I start to, like, hear, like, my closet door start to open. Oh, hell no. Like, oh, my God. Inside. Oh, hell no. All of a sudden, for no reason, I woke up in the middle of the night. Like, my eyes just snapped open. And it's that strange feeling that you have when something wakes you up. You And you don't know what has woken you up until you either see what it was or you hear whatever it was. There are new episodes every Friday. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at SpookyTales.com. And we're back. We're back. How was your break? Did you uh, catch any sea turtles or anything? I actually caught two. You'll be very proud of me. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> one for you and one for me. Turtle tacos. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> just get the spoon and just start spooning it out of the shell. <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. <laughs> so where we left off, Douglas did catch a sea turtle. It was coming close to the boat and he hit it on top of the head and the eyes filled with blood, but it swam away. So he learned the next time he would have to like lift it out of the water and then maybe kind of like hit it on the head. But then the next time that had happened, he didn't realize that the nails were like razor sharp and he didn't want that thing flailing inside the inflatable boat, right? That's like the last thing you want. So they got smart. They tied their feet first on the, they tied the feet first on the turtle and then they pulled it in and success. That was how they ate turtle and they dried it 
And Douglas had uh, read a, a novel that said that turtle blood could be drank. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Your face. <laughs> so they tasted it, and to their delight, it was not salty. So they were able to survive off of turtle blood as well. Mm. The reason why turtles were out was because it was mating season, by the way, which, uh, you know, the cause of their demise was horniness. How sad. There's a lot of animal horniness going on in this episode. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that everything was mating except for probably the parents. Except for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reminder, this is a survivor story, so an animal had to be harmed. We kind of knew this, right? <laughs> they did live off of turtle meat and shark meat, too. Wow. I've heard that shark tacos are pretty good. I don't know if you've had those. Yeah, I've had shark before. It's really good. Oh, okay. I have not. It's delicious. It is? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Okay. I might have to try it. I've only ever had it grilled, so I don't know how it would taste prepared any other way. But they sell it at Albertsons. It's really good. No. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I'm all weirded out. It's still in the pescatarian realm, so I could really eat it. Yeah. And I'm sure it's good for you, too. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'll find out. All right. So with the shark and the turtle meat, like I said, uh, what they would do was dry the meat and they would store it so they could eat it really at any time, like a turtle jerky or, you know, shark jerky or whatever. At one point, they even caught a female turtle and it had a lot of eggs. So they lived off of that, too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Not that happy. <laughs> also, his face was more like he was smelling a fart. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big egg person, so. Mm. Oh, I do like eggs, but it's raw. So I don't think I would like that. Mm, no, especially not raw. You got to think about that. They were in 98 degree heat, but I don't think that did anything to <laughs> cook it. Also, 98 degrees, that's awful. 37 degrees Celsius for you, uh, Brits. Yeah, I heard they weren't a great uh, boy band either. Oh, <laughs> is that, was that what that was? Some kind of 98 degrees Celsius? Yeah, I don't know. 98 degrees, right? Yeah. Yeah, 98 degrees. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I don't remember any of their songs, so I can't say if they're good or bad. Yeah, neither could I. Almost like all the odds against them... They saw rain way out in the distance, which is just what they needed. But it was over there, not where they were. <laughs> Somehow, by the grace of God, it started raining on them, too. They collected the water, drank a little. This is the motivation that they really needed to keep going and trying for the American coast. Give themselves a good cowboy shower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess so. <laughs> As they were drifting more north at night, it was freezing. And he said that their whole bodies shook. Also, the raft was leaking. So even sitting inside the raft, they were still up to their chest in water. So they couldn't even sleep. Oh my God, that's awful. I know, right? They knew that keeping the twins alive was really the only reason to keep living. Bear in mind, they're about 10 years old now at this awful ordeal. We got to protect Robin too. Oh, the, yeah, the other... <laughs> The stranger, the hitchhiker guy. <laughs> Dude, I could not imagine being 10 years old and going through this. That's insane. Mm -mm. And two of them? Imagine how annoying. I know. <laughs> I, didn't think I, I don't think I'd be annoyed by them. I just, I don't know. It, it sounds so heavy, that kind of burden. I'd be like, don't worry, Robin. The first ones to go are going to be these kids because they're driving me fucking insane. 
<laughs> there's not a lot of meat in their bones, but <laughs> just That's so sad. but there's two of them. So, but there's two. Yeah, exactly. we both said the same thing. So, on the 17th day of being stranded, the raft sank, which is a bit of a bummer. But remember the dinghy they still had, and that was the only dry area. That was the middle part of the boat. It's called the thwart. Everyone would take one hour turns or time slots to sleep in the middle of the thwart because it was the only dry area. His mom would often tell Douglas to take her turn to sleep. And he thinks back on how selfish he was that he would take it. I think as moms, that's what we want to do. Like, here, mijo, you take it, whatever. And you just take it. You don't think about like, oh, shit, that was selfish. My mom needed to sleep, too. I don't know. I could see as a parent making that sacrifice. But yeah, that is awful. It is, yeah. They had directed Robin to secure the drinking water now that they finally had it. And unfortunately, what happened was one of the times that they were wrestling with the turtle, the bag that they use, it was like a little makeshift bag they used to collect the rainwater. It got flipped over by one of the turtle's flippers. I know. And they were like, damn it, Robin. (laughs) You can't do nothing. I'm just kidding. No, they didn't yell at him or anything. You had one job, Robin. <laughs> now we eat you. <laughs> Just kidding. After this, Douglas said he felt completely hopeless, ready to give up. He even told his dad, That's it. I can't go on. The dad, who was really tough, said Douglas had to go on. Douglas replied, Oh, you can't even let me die in peace. <laughs> I can relate with Douglas. Yes, I can completely understand that. Yeah, the dad pushing you always. They all had lost a lot of weight, but he explained how one can of water could last them about a week. I'm talking about like a can of soda type of size, like just one regular can. It would last them a week. They would take one small sip and one tiny little square of meat three times a day. And that's all they lived off of. He said the first two days they were really hungry all the time, but then they got used to it. That nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a supermodel diet. I'm just kidding. Mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. No. At the most terrifying point, he said they were in the middle of a terrible lightning storm and they could smell the smoking of the air in like, or the smoking of the atoms in the air from the bolts of lightning. That's how close it was. And then in the water, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, that would end all their problems really quick. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In a very fast way. <laughs> they heat up. <laughs> Just kidding. They had already ditched all of their clothes because their bodies were covered in boils from head to toe. Mm. Seawater boils. <laughs> yeah, I know. Your face again. <laughs> the puchicata's back. <laughs> the blood simply gets cut off. So they realized if they take off their clothes, which is where all the salt is contained, the boils would go away. So everyone was without clothes, basically, naked. They somehow managed to clock the distance of their traveling. And when they were rescued by a Japanese fisherman at 38 days, they were only 25 miles out of the latitude where they had estimated they were and only about 100 miles out from their longitude. That's surprisingly pretty good for just being like drifting. They didn't get very far. (laughs) In 38 days? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. They, where they estimated they were as far as longitude and latitude, they were only 25 miles off from where they thought they were. 
Oh, the way that I interpreted it was that they were 25 miles from where their their ship sank. Right, where they started or something. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, wow, they didn't get very far. Yeah, in 38 days. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to, to keep them mentally busy, he said that they had invented a game, that they would open up a cafe and what would be on the menu. And it was really elaborate because he said, when you're hungry, you can talk about one meal for hours. And what sauce would you use? And what would, you know, and that's how they just stayed mentally busy. Isn't that kind of crazy and cool? July 23rd. 1972 was the day that they had been picked up. They had just replenished their drinking water. Oddly, the dad requested to save the tiny boat uh, that the family clung on to for dear life, quite literally. And the Japanese uh, that did pull them on board did keep the boat. And the boat is now in the National Maritime Museum. You should see it. It's tiny to think that there were so many people. It's insane. The link is in the show notes. You can see it too, guys. It's just a nail biter of a story. <laughs> Nuts, right? That is super crazy. Yeah. There's a movie based on this. It's called Surviving the Savage Sea. It's a lot of alliteration going on, but I like it. I got to see it. I just thought of another game they could play. They could each take turns counting their boils and see who had the most boils at the end of the day. That sounds like it would be fun. Ugh. No. You have a very weird... fun. <laughs> 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 I like to make lemonade from lemons. Yes. So here's my question. Would you drink turtle blood to survive? If you were to ask me that right now, I would say no. <laughs> if you were to ask me on day 13 of being stranded in sea, I'm sure my answer would, will probably change. <laughs> wow. You know, I thought, honestly, I thought you would be quicker to jump at a yes, more for the story, especially given your like love Danny Filth and all this like <laughs> craziness. I feel like that goes along with that persona. <laughs> yeah, but all that, those personas are fiction, you know? Of course. I don't know. And then drinking a reptile's blood, like maybe if it was a mammal, but oh, I don't know about drinking a reptile. For me, it's just reptiles seem kind of icky. Yeah. They have um, rattlesnake uh, hot dogs and stuff like that. There's like, yeah, people eat rattlesnake. There's a lot of reptiles to eat. Nah, fam, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I hear. Also, though, like, I understand if it's a matter of life and death, like, I obviously would, right? But after you have that story, if that doesn't get you punani, like, I don't know what else says. I can protect you. Like, I ate sharks and I caught them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess. That's like a card that you get to pull out all the time. It's like, you know, here's here's my card for some poon. <laughs> well, the other card that I have is that I'm not particularly good looking. So I think that I wouldn't get the chance to get to that card. This would offset all of that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'll wear a t-shirt that says, ask me about the time that I ate turtle blood. Yeah. There you <laughs> that you drank turtle blood. Yeah. <laughs> drank is too long. So ate turtle blood. And loved it. Yeah. Oh, loved it. That's even crazier. <laughs> Well, that's the conclusion of our story. I thought it was uh, really interesting and just wild. So I was like, this whole family survived. That's nuts. Now, Bahamas sounds really fabulous. Good thing for Anne staying back. Yeah, she was a smart one, obviously. She totally won. Yeah. Even if she got divorced later, she still won. <laughs> <laughs> and also, probably having sex as well. Oh, yeah, of course she was. <laughs> Why do you think he wanted her to stay? <laughs> just well, a special thank you to our patrons, Sophia, Natasha, 
Eric and Angie. Thank you so, so much. You guys make us possible, this possible, these laughs possible. (laughs) Congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You've learned along with us a true story of family and the human spirit of survival. We hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Yeah. Follow us on all the socials at greetings, T-A-C. Email us at greetings, T-A-C at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us when you got lost. Or when you drank turtle blood. (laughs) That's nasty.